So Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 1. Uh, if your Bible is subtitled, this is Signs of Christ's Return. And uh, most of us know, or if you'll remember through our Mark series, this is Matthew's account of the Olivet Discourse. Mark gave us a more abbreviated uh, account of Jesus' end times prophecy. But if you remember back to that, the disciples have asked two questions. When is the temple going to be destroyed? What's the sign of you coming back? Right. So Jesus is going to apply the answers to those two questions. But Jesus, being Jesus, knowing his time is short, he gives us the answers that we need and then some. Right. And if you remember, we started the or introduced the theme of uh, the hermeneutic of a uh, uh, partial fulfilled prophecy or uh, has happened, has not happened since. So the destruction of the temple has happened, right? 70 AD, the, the, the temple was destroyed. We're going to see that prophecy fulfilled in the scriptures right now. And then there's stuff yet to come, right? So we're looking at answering that question, what are the signs? What are the signs of Jesus coming back? There's three of them in this little discourse, which is super cool because Jesus doesn't leave us empty-handed. He actually gives us more information than he gives the Pharisees, right? Because the Pharisees ask the same thing, give us a sign, right? The disciples are asking the same thing, give us a sign. The world right now is saying, give us a sign. The church, some members in the church are saying, give us give us a sign. What's what's happening? Where are we at? You know, We want to have our finger on the pulse of of the world and uh jesus told the pharisees you're only going to get one sign and that's a sign that you already know about the sign of jonah right three days in the belly of the well uh his disciples asked pretty much the same question lord give us give us a tell, tell us what this future sign is going to be and uh he actually gives us three which is cool so we'll start reading verse one jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple's uh, temple building to him. And he said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us. So here they are. So tell us. When will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they actually ask three different questions, right? Compound question. We say two. So what are the signs of these things? Referring back to when they were at the temple. What's the sign of your coming? What's the signs of the end of the age? Okay. Verse four. And Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. So this is pretty important stuff. Okay. I'm about to give you the answer. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm about to give it to you and see that nobody misleads you. Okay? For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. That's kind of where we are right now. Okay? See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, comma, but that is not yet the end. Okay? So, Right here at less than 10 minutes, if somebody comes to you and go, are you concerned about Israel and Palestine? We say yes. 
but not the way you think. Right. Is this is, is Jesus coming back? Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't be afraid. Right. Go into the gospel message because that's what matters. Right. Don't mislead people. Don't have people around you misled by the confusion of the world. But take them back to the scriptures. Jesus himself says that there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Uh, but and there's going to be people who come in my name. There's going to be people coming claiming they're me. But it ain't me. Right. And all this is going to happen. And it's, it's not the end yet. This is just history. Right. We can look back. And history repeats itself, which is crazy. But from the beginning in Genesis to 2023, going into 2024, and until Christ comes back, it is an endless cycle, right, of pretty much the same events. Why do you think that is? There's a spiritual war, right? We've been fighting the same war since the very beginning. And... There's only one outcome of this spiritual war. Christ is going to win. But Satan thinks he can, which is crazy. But he tries. And he, he builds his kingdom and God cancels it out. And it's this give and take because God has given Satan power right now. But as we get closer and closer to the end of the age... You're going to see a lessening and lessening of power and then a ramping up of power. So history does this this give and take almost. But ultimately, Christ has already won, won the war. We're just literally waiting on time. Right. So let's uh, let's continue on. Where do we leave off at? Verse seven. So he's, he's, he said it's not the end of the times, right? So wars, rumors of wars, people coming, saying, I'm Messiah, I'm Christ, come here, come there. Still not the end. And he's continuing this, this, uh, this discourse. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs, okay? Then they will deliver you to tribulation. So he gave a very general this is what's going to happen until I come back. Now it's a transition to answer their first question. What's going to happen to us? What, what's, what's this temple destruction look like? What's going on? What's going to happen to us? And then he's going to move into what's going to happen in history, in, in, in future. So then they'll deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise and will mislead you because lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And we can look and we can see this is where we get that partial fulfillment has happened, has not yet happened. So a lot of this did happen to that first century church. And it's going to happen again to the last century church. And it's happened in between, off and on. Periods of escalation, periods of peace. Periods of escalation, periods of peace. And it, it swells and then it lies back down. And it swells and it lies back down. But what we see through scripture is one day it's going to swell and swell until it pops and here we are at the end of the age, right? So, the gospel, <clears throat> the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony 
to all the nations, and then the end will come. Okay? So let's go back a few, and we'll, we'll read that again, starting verse 9. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Well, I think we're living in verse 10 right now. At least a swelling of it, right? Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. We can put a check on that one. Because, why? Why is that going to happen? Because lawlessness is increased. Most people love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. It's the perseverance of the saints. You must endure to see salvation. We have been saved. We are being saved. You will be saved if you endure. Verse 14, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Okay? So that's a lot of calamity, and then some good stuff. Right? You see, get up. You see all of this persecution and all of these things that are happening to God's people, but while that's happening, God's kingdom is going forward. Right? So, as a swelling and a laying down and a swelling and a laying down of this horribleness that is the world system, God's kingdom is still flourishing. It is still being pushed forward. Preaching is still going out to the nations. No, we haven't reached every people group yet, but the word of God just said, what? Before the end, it will, which is super cool. We have something to look forward to. This isn't the end. It's just the birth pangs of the end, which we've been in. So, Bible prophesies, uh, prophecies uh, of many events, right? It prophesies of many events, and they're going to occur in and towards the end times. These events can be categorized in a, a bunch of different ways, right? There's natural signs, spiritual signs, uh, sociological signs, even technology plays a key in some of this. P obviously, political signs, right? That's why we're watching nation in, or, uh, Israel and Palestine and Russia and China and all that uh, right now. It is a political and a spiritual powder keg, and it seems to be that the fuse has been lit. Uh, there ain't no telling what's going to go on in our very near future. But remember what Christ told us at the very beginning in all this. Fear not. Right? Don't be, don't be afraid. The world, <laughs> the world with no hope, uh, has a lot to be afraid about. Uh, our brothers and sisters in the east, both in Israel and Palestine alike, because yes, God saves both sides. Uh, they're worried. They're absolutely worried. Why would they not be worried? They're in the middle of conflict. Their friends and family are, are uh, literally being martyred. For, for what they believe or at least what they stand for and and uh, but at the same time they too don't have to be worried about their eternity right so we can still be fearful but not afraid right does that make sense same way we can not be happy still be joyful right this inner man is tuned in to what's happening spiritually and and we're on the winning side of that so that's what Christ is saying, and that's what I would say to us. And I, I don't think any of us here is shaking in our boots 
about what's going on, but you may come in contact of people who are, right? And they're going to be coming to you, hopefully, because you've been living your life out in, in front of them, and, and they want real answers. So what do you tell them? Well, we tell them what the Word of God says. Don't, don't be afraid. And if you are afraid, there's a solution for that. Get on the king side, right? And we, you can roll straight into, they want to talk about world powers and policy and all this stuff. And no, I'm worried about your heart, right? Like, let's get your heart right. And then if you want to continue that conversation, we, we can, right? Get your heart right, though. So the Bible lists both positive and spiritual, uh, positive and negative spiritual signs. And we see that with what we just read but in uh, 2 Timothy 4, uh, we see this again. Uh, people are going to fall away from the truth and follow false prophets, false teachers, right? And today, you can look out into the world and you can see that uh, there's an increase. I, I believe, spiritually, we are in a, a swelling time, okay? We've come out of a time of peace, believe that or not. But spiritually speaking, and I believe we're, we're in a swelling time where there's conflict now in the motherland, right, if you want to put it that way, and, and there's things that are happening. I believe we're inching towards a soon-coming king, but we're doing that one way or the other. But uh, you can look out right now. There's an increase in cultic groups, heresies, uh, deception, occultism. People are literally choosing new age and pagan religions of like old testament pagan religions over christ and freedom they're literally that's why i say history repeats itself they are literally willing to sacrifice to moloch in in a spiritual and a physical sense what do you think abortion is a spiritual and a physical sense they are sacrificing to a demon of old overlooking the soon coming king. This is this is not anything new. It's called new age, but it ain't nothing new. Okay, mysticism. Making a circle. Making a circle. That's it. That's it. We're almost caught in a circle until Christ and it, comes it, and stops it. But it's all going to happen now. It's already happened. Mm -hmm. So we're going back again to the enemy. Yeah. Absolutely. So as a as a church, that makes things very convenient for us. Because we can look at what's happening today, and instead of trying to figure it out, guess what? Our Bible already tells us how to deal with it. And you may actually have to go back to uh, like Exodus and Joshua and stuff and, and talk to these new people, these new age people or mystics. And uh, the way they were dealt with in the Old Testament is the same way we can, be, we can deal with them uh, today. They need to be saved, right? It's it's repentance. It, nothing changes, and and a lot of times, at least from what I've seen uh, on YouTube and stuff, a lot of these people are just looking for something new. They think they found something new, and when you when you lovingly show them that what they're doing is one of the oldest things that there is to know, they don't want to do that thing anymore. They don't really understand what they're doing. A lot of what's going on especially in the generation now and the generation coming up, and even some of my generation, is uh, they think they found this new, this new thing, this new fad, right? 
I don't have to worship God like my grandpa did. That was that was weird. That was old. That was dumb. I'm going to do this new thing. But when you bring them back into the scriptures and you show them you've you've just stepped back like several thousand years, uh, they all of a sudden are like, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. I thought I discovered something new, right? Go on YouTube or talk to somebody. These kids are discovering new things every day, and it's just our our 90s nostalgia stuff, like for real. Uh, examples escape me, but it's like kids are figuring out that, uh, you know, memory sticks used to be a thing, and 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 you know Mario didn't, you know Mario started in you know the late 70s, early 80s, and it was it's not just because. Jack Black is Bowser now that Mario's cool. No, Mario's been cool for a while. You know, just all this stuff, they're rediscovering. They call it Columbianism, I think. They're, they're rediscovering this new world just to find out it's been here the whole time, right? And look at the way they're dressing now. Jinko jeans are coming back in the fab, believe that or not. Those big parachute pants, right, of the 70s and the flare out and all that stuff. Like, it's afros and and it, we're, we're literally dressing like the 60s again and they they found this new thing and all they did was go to goodwill because it was somebody else's clothes to begin with right and but once they realize and that's why fads come and they go once they realize that this isn't a new thing they move on to the very next thing so it's nothing new it's redone nothing new under the sun is what ecclesiastes would tell us right and uh that really shuts them down too and you're like, I found this new thing. Did you now? I don't think you did. A recapitulation of something? Maybe. But but it's not new. There's nothing new. Especially in the spiritual. The spiritual has not changed. It hasn't changed at all. There's good and there's bad. And good's going to win. And bad's going to try its best to win. Okay. So... Obviously, there's a negative side to it, right? There's a positive side also. Joel chapter 2 uh, prophesies that there's going to be a great outpouring of the Spirit. So, so there is a great swelling of evil, but at the same time, there's a great outpouring of the Spirit. We actually have that fulfilled prophecy at the day of Pentecost in Acts. But how do you know that? Well, Peter stands up and he says, what you're witnessing right now, Joel prophesied about it. This is it. Right. And it didn't stop in Acts. It's continued throughout history. Uh, we still see the effects of it now. The great outpourings are revived awakenings. Right. Uh, October is Reformation Month. It's when we, you know, we, a lot of people stop and we look back to how we got the Bible and and the great reformers of old and things like that. But after the Reformation, there was a thing called the awakening where through the colonies, there was a great reviving back to God. The cool thing about the awakening was that these were like Scottish, the most pilgrimist, uh, 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 Presbyterian, born in church. I was baptized when I was a baby. Like, I know the word. And they're coming to Christ going, I had religion, but I've never... I've never known Christ, right? There's an awakening, and that's that's this outpouring in the Spirit. Uh, worldwide preaching, gospel message going forward. That's all the work of the Spirit. All of that's happening today. So we may fixate at times 
on the swelling of evil because it comes it becomes so in your face. And as a Christian, it doesn't take a whole lot of evil for us to notice. Right. Because you should be shunning evil. Right. Even the very appearance of evil. So so when it's pushed in your face, you 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 are taken aback. Right. So we see it. But let's not forget that there's a swelling of evil, but there's been a very consistent line of salvation and church uh, moving forward and God's kingdom being built and a soon coming uh, king. His plan hasn't changed. It is happening. So along with the signs um, in the spiritual, we also have uh, natural signs, signs in society, uh, immorality, rampant again. In our, in our social uh, spaces today. It's all mankind's rebellion against God, right? Abortion, homosexuality, vices, sins against children. It's all proof. Go back and read the Old Testament, okay? It's all proof that evildoers and impossible or imposters will grow worse and worse as time progresses, okay? We're living in a hedonistic and materialistic uh, society. They do not care about God at all. Where generations past, you could have been an unsaved person, but you still had morals, right? You still listened to your mama and daddy. You you still probably even went to church, even though that's not something you wanted to do. But today, it's not that way. Parents will actually leave their kids. They'll go to church and leave their kids at home because the kids don't want to go which is crazy to me. That's a little more crazy, but it's the same thing as sending your kids to church and you're not going, right? It needs to be a family a family unit. We can break down the percentages, but it gets worse and worse. If the man isn't saved, then, then his family tends to not be saved, right? If he is saved, there's almost a 93% chance, I believe it is, statistic-wise, that, that his family is going to follow, right? Uh, and, and that's super cool that that's the way that it is. But sending your kid to church doesn't benefit you any at all. It may, it may save your, your child. It's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's really not helping you any at all. But what it does is it gives me a sense of, of good doing. Well, I, I, you know, I'm sending my kids to church. They're going to learn about God, but I don't care nothing about it. That's what you're really saying. Same thing, but worse, I counted a sin against the child. If you get in a vehicle, get ready, get in a vehicle, leave your kids at the house, and you go to church to make sure your salvation is secure, but you'll, you'll let your, your son and your daughter just do whatever they want to do. How much more important is it for the people who you're responsible over? I think the word would have a lot to say about that. That's just it. Not leave them at home. So there's a lot to be said about both both ways. But hedonistic, materialistic, that's how we are. We're people that uh, love ourselves, but we don't love others. Right? That's, this is the world. Doing what is right in our own eyes. Right? We're using the same language as the Old Testament. And it's happening yet again. Here we are, right? Why did God flood the earth? There are 
thoughts of men were exceedingly wicked all the time, and they did what was right in their own eyes. Why is he going to come back to judge the world? Because the thoughts of men are exceedingly wicked, and we do what is right in our own eyes. Right? Nothing, nothing has changed. All of these things and many more can be seen around us every every single day. Second Timothy three, one through five. If you want to turn there, it says, but realize this. So Paul's talking to Timothy. He says, "All right, realize this: that in the last days, difficult times will come. It's going to get difficult. There's there's going to be a swelling, and where in times past it seems to relax, the closer we get to the actual end days, that swelling's not going to let go. It's just going to swell and it's going to swell and it's going to swell, and we're going to read that." unless Christ comes back and ends those days, that even his church is going to be susceptible to falling away. Why? I can't, man, evil's evil. It hurts me. I don't like it. And if I'm surrounded by it always, there's got to be a breaking point sometime. right? Either I'm going to break or God's going to break through for me. And that's exactly what he does. Verse 2, For men will be lovers of self, Lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. That's a big one. That's like apostasy. It's like not savable. That's what that word really means. There's going to be a lot of them. There's going to be a lot of them. Irreconcilable. Uh, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good. Treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness. Verse 5 is what really ramps this up. Because before that, you could just say, well, that, yeah, that's the world, of course. That's us before salvation. I was reckless with my eternal soul. I thought I had it handled. I didn't heed my parents. Right? I could, I could put myself in a lot of those situations, but here we are, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Hebrews 6, Hebrews 10, what is there left for you? The, these, this end days, it's going to be some treacherous times, some very treacherous times. You think witnessing is hard now. The only way you're going to witness to people is to be a martyr. That's what the word would, would say, because they're not going to listen to you. At the very least, if you lose your head for what you believe, they're going to go, huh, he really believed that. Right? <laughs> you know, I don't say I'm old, but my age, I've seen stuff that I can't hardly believe it. I mean, it, it, it's such a switch over. Now, me and Gene have been here a long time and seen stuff, it, you can't hardly believe it. That's exactly that's exactly what the word of God would say. Romans one would say that they're seared in their conscience and they are left to their own devices. This is this is end time stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's just it. If it feels good, do it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And <laughs> the Word of God would say that's going to be the same. Same kind of thing. The days of Noah was the same thing. They they married, given marriage, went about their day, paid no mind to God. That's what the days of Noah is. They just did what they wanted to do. And God God flooded the earth for it. And he's going to burn the earth the next time for it. Yeah, which is, well, yeah destroy it. So, uh, and to finish verse 5, I'm sorry, in Second Timothy, it, it says to avoid those men. So there's going to come a time where evangelism just isn't going to work anymore, right? And we're going to mark those people and agree to disagree, I guess, and move on for the sake of your own conscience, knowing that you've done what you're supposed to do, but continue living your life in love and hoping that they they come back to them, but to, to avoid them. Because to, what else is there to say? What else is there to say? If Christ isn't enough, I can't convince you. I really can't. If you've seared your conscience against the Spirit, the working of the Spirit, what can I say to turn you? I really can't. So it, it's it's going to be some sad days. It really is for the church. If you really stop and think about it, you, you, you'll cry yourself to sleep at night to, to understand that you're going to be living around your friends and family and community uh, knowing their destination and nothing you can do about it. Absolutely nothing you can do about it. Absolutely. I believe that's what the word would would tell us. So, uh, among all of the spiritual and the natural signs that we have, we also have political signs, and and we can see those working today. this is just a few of the things. So right now, politically charged, all eyes are on Israel, right? But that's what we're looking at. And wars and rumors of wars, that's kind of the, the, the formation of tonight. So the restoration of Israel. Here's some political signs that's happened throughout history and is continuing into the future. The restoration of Israel to her land, 1948. Do you realize for over 2,000 years, 70 AD to 1948, Israel was not a nation. In 1948, she became a nation. They occupied Jerusalem for the first time in over 2,000 years as as a nation. As a nation. Uh, The Jewish people were here. They were just sojourners in foreign lands. And they're called back. So 1948 is the single most impressive fulfilled prophecy of our lifetime. We can't say that because none of the end times works without a nation of Israel. It really doesn't. Israel does play a key role in in the formation of the end times. So before 1948, guess what couldn't have happened? The end times. Guess what people were talking about before 1948? The end times, right? So this is going to be a, a debate, an argument for some, a discussion for ever. But that is a fulfilled prophecy. 1948 fulfilled prophecy. A really, a really key point in it. Her involvement in the world's political powers is the very birthing place that brings forth the Antichrist and the end of time. The fact that she is a nation 
and she does meddle in politics, that's a sign. Okay. Currently, this is current events. This is happening right now. Even in the midst of war and everything that's going on right now. Currently, Israel has committees such as the Temple Institute, and they're committed to rebuilding the temple and reestablishing Mosaic law and sacrifices. They've already purchased land on the Temple Mount. It's currently Palestinian-owned. That's part of the reason why they're fighting right now. But they have purchased land on the Temple Mount where the temple was. They've drawn up plans. They have committees. They have permits. They even have red heifers that they are right now at this moment watching to make sure that they are indeed kosher so that they can burn them, get the ashes, and cleanse the temple when they build it. This stuff is happening, right? I'm not saying that it's not happening. Don't be fearful. All these things must take place, right? That's what I'm saying. For the church, we can be interested. We can be invested. We can be prayerful in it, but don't be frightened in it. That's, that's what the Word of God would tell us. So, uh, just a few, that's just a few signs. That was just stuff off the top of my head that I just know about Israel right now. Like, we could dig in and find a lot more. But uh, that's just a few signs that we are indeed living in the end times, right? So the end times are happening. The end of the age is yet to come. The end times is happening. Uh, God gave us prophecies because uh, he doesn't want anyone to perish. Why have conversations like this? Well, it's what I've been saying. Because people are in dire need of truth. And they're going to come to us. And we need to be able to give them the truth. We, uh, he always gives ample warning before pouring out his wrath. Always. If we're saying history repeats itself, it's going to be that way all the way up to the end of the age. He is going to give ample warning after ample warning. He's going to beg, plead with humanity to flee from his wrath and fall into him. And they're going to reject him. Second Peter 3 and 9 is a, is a text for that. The Lord is not slow about his promise. That's a fearful thing. But it's a, it's a really amazing thing too. God keeps his promises. So the end is coming. Christ is coming back. Wrath will be poured out. Judgment will be dealt. Salvation can be had. Right? These promises are, are yes and amen when it comes from God. So he's not slow to keep or about his promises as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So time and time and time again, his spirit is going to work on people. Going to try to. So, what's not a sign, right? Let's wrap this up. What's not a sign? We can look out into the ether of the world, see these things happening, and and know that we're in the end times. The end times have been since the days of Christ, just to let y'all know. But the end is not yet, right? That's kind of where we are. So, in part of his response to the uh, disciples' question, you know, the question again, tell us of the sign of the coming of the end of the age. What do we look for, right? Jesus starts with examples of what not to look for, okay? So, he responds, and one of those is you'll hear wars and rumors of wars. 
So, because of Jesus' words in this passage, whenever there's an explosion of conflict, especially in the vicinity of Israel, many people begin to wonder if this new war, this new conflict, uh, is the sign of the end times, right? Is this the end of the age? Is Jesus coming? And people just need to finish reading Matthew 24 and 6. Okay, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. And he says, but don't be alarmed. Don't be frightened. Don't be afraid. These things must take place. But the end is not yet. So there's emphasis on the not yet. Okay, it's coming. Not yet. Okay, so should we be concerned about Israel? You need to be praying for Israel before this conflict started, but especially in this conflict, you need to be play, praying for Prime Minister, you need to be praying for the Palestinian civilians who are caught up in this terror act of their own people, you need to be praying for Putin, you need to be praying for world government at large, you need to be praying for all of it, but don't be frightened by any of it. God's will will be done, and if you are in Christ, guess what God's going to do? He's going to protect you. What does that mean? That may mean ultimately dying for him. But, yeah. Well, we could continue reading and we can get into some really cool discussions. But we're going we're gonna to keep it right here where we're at for, for tonight. We may finish the Olivet Discourse if that's what y'all want to do. That's, that's not a problem. But. So understanding Jesus' statement about wars and rumors of wars to mean that war or warfare is a sign of end times. Okay? It's, it's, it's historical. We, we fight. Humans are horrible people and we fight. Okay? We fight over crazy things like land and food and water and, and just words people say and pin strokes. And, I mean, we fight for a lot of stupid reasons. There's no other way, or ignorant reasons. There's no other way to say it. Um, and, and in times of peace, we find reasons to fight. Right? Like we we're a warfaring people, and left unchecked, we we fight. Okay, so it is a sign of ensigns, and it it's the exact opposite of what he intended. Okay, he didn't intend to say look for wars and rumors of wars, but that tends to be what most people do. He didn't intend to say earthquakes is going to mean I'm coming quickly, but that's what we tend to do. A volcano erupts. Right, like volcanoes do, and we're like Jesus is in is in the ash cloud, like it's happening, right? And it's what that does. So this is a this is a filter to look through as a believer. When a world event happens, look at the people. What are their reaction to it? Anxiety, nervousness, frightenness, fearfulness, right? But God didn't give us the spirit of fear. So our first gut reaction to anything that goes on is to be afraid. I don't know what's happening. I'm going to be afraid, right? But as a Christian, we do know what's happening. Don't be afraid, okay? Don't be afraid. This is just another piece in the puzzle for, for our king to come back. Here's a conflict in Israel. You know what we should be doing? Witnessing the people. <laughs> Preaching, teaching, testifying, evangelizing. Hey, Jesus is coming back. You want to be afraid of something, be afraid of what really matters. Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Don't worry about what's happening over there. That's got to happen. Jesus is coming back, right? It, it, the, 
best witness tool is disaster. It really is. I, it, it puts people in check. It makes people realize what truly is uh, important, right? Like your own life and nothing like death and destruction and calamity and fearfulness to make a man or a woman sit down and really think about what's going to happen after I die. How come there's so many testimonies, right? God don't waste anything. I came to Christ because I had a near-death experience. I, I got in a crash and I should have died, but I didn't. Because you had a taste of eternity, right? There is, like, this life ends. Oh, no. What if I'm wrong, right? So when our friends, family, people come to us, tell them what's truly important. Do you know Christ? Because he's coming. And this conflict in Israel may be the powder keg that starts it off. This may be World War III. This may be the end of the world. This may start the seven-year tribulation. It could be. But at the end of Revelation, what do you see us saying? The Spirit and the Bride say, come, bring it. Let's go, right? As we witness and we pour out with love and brotherly affection, right? But we're, we're saying, bring it. Come on. Come. I want, I want this to happen spiritually, even though I know it's going to bring extreme heartache on both sides. My spirit wants to be with Christ, and these things have to happen. Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful. So what's not a sign? Wars and rumors of wars, right? Calamities, hurricanes. We were blessed this year. If we have an ice storm and it knocks power out for two months or whatever it is, that, hey, Jesus is coming back. It's probably not because of this ice storm, but it's, he's coming back, right? It, this isn't the end of the age, but, hey, you know, uh, no electricity for two months is way better than uh, fire and brimstone falling upon you, right? So there's conversation starters <laughs> in a lot of this, right? Hurricane comes through and wipes, wipes out New Orleans again. Guess what? That's not the first time New Orleans has been wiped out, even in my lifetime. And Katrina wasn't the first time New Orleans was wiped out the first time, right? It's going to happen. We build on the coast. Storms come, right? Is, is Jesus coming back because of, of uh, Hurricane Katrina 2.0? Maybe. Maybe. It could happen, right? How do you live your life? It could happen. That old song, it's been going through my head all day long. He may be on the next cloud passing by, right? Cool. I know there's things that have, to, that have to transpire, but guess what? Tomorrow may start that. Be ready, okay? So let's look at what is, okay? So what's not signs, what is a sign? So Jesus gives us three, okay? He gives us three, and... uh. We will read Matthew 24, starting in 29 through 31, because that's that's one of the signs. Okay, We've already covered the other two, but here's one of the signs. Uh, but immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will give its light, or will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the power of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the, in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, 
and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels in a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. So, putting together the first 14 verses and what we just read, there's three signs that Jesus gives his disciples for a has happened, has yet to happen since. So the disciples seen some of this. Jesus ain't come back yet. They didn't see it all. Same, same for us, okay? So Jesus gives us three signs that the end is truly near. So tomorrow if we wake up and we see some of these signs, we can say, hey, maybe we ought to start paying a little bit of attention, okay? The abomination of de that brings desolation. That's the first sign that he says. When you see the abomination of desolation, the end is near. That's what he says. That's the Antichrist, y'all. That's the Antichrist. The gospel being preached to all nations. That's current and ongoing. That's happening right now. So are we in the end times? Yep. How do we know? There's a sign. Okay. The end isn't yet, but that is a sign of the end time. And then the last one, I left the last one, the best for last. It's the second coming. Literally Jesus coming back. That's the sign that he gives his disciples. Just like he did with the Pharisees. You know, the sign of me resurrecting. He gives his second coming as a sign to the disciples. How do you know when the end of the age is? When it gets here. That's pretty much what, what Jesus says, right? So, the second coming where he gathers from the earth his bride and then brings the Father's wrath upon the earth. That's, that is the sign of the end of the age, when the age ends. Okay? So, we still have some things to look forward to. Good and bad, but to look forward to. But there are things happening now, which is amazing to me, that I'm living in a time where I can look in the Word of God, and I can look into future prophecy, and I can see it being fulfilled right now. That's why is every generation, every generation, literally since the book of Acts to today, has said Jesus is coming back in my lifetime. Because we can look out in the world and we can see this stuff happening, right? And that's how we are to live our life. That's what, that's what the Bible says. Live as if Jesus is coming back. I forget who said it. He's a, he's a really spiritual dead person now. Uh... But he said he lives his life, or he lived his life, as if Jesus died yesterday, rose today, and is coming back tomorrow. That's how, that's how he lived his life. That's how important it was. Live as if Jesus just died and was resurrected. Like it's that fresh in your mind. But also, he's coming back, right? So let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the ability to look into your word, even in some of these difficult texts, and, and to see the fulfillment of your living word today. Lord, we live in a time of fulfilled prophecy. Lord, we long for the day of the fulfillment of total prophecy. Help us, O oh God, to discern the times, Lord, as as your word says in the parable of the fig tree, we can't know the hour or the day, but we can discern the season. And we can see that right now we are in a season of 
of great swelling. Lord, we pray right now, O oh God, for uh, for Israel, for Palestine, for those affected in this conflict. Lord, we pray for our leaders, Lord, as they make decisions that will affect generations to come. Lord, we ask that you move upon them and in them as you do. Lord, for we know that you are you are the architect of all of this, Lord, that you have put these people into power and you will take them out as needed, Lord, or keep them in as needed. Lord, I ask that you continue to bolster in us a spirit, oh God, not of fear, but of willingness and and almost anxiousness to, to see you come. Lord, help us to witness, to evangelize, to point people in the right way, Lord, to stay the enemy, oh God, and to build your kingdom, Lord, on this earth. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen.